All right, time to have a little chat with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning because we are getting a better idea of what a transition to a new premier looks like. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. And yes, we had photo ops so far, uh, John Horgan and the premier-designate David Eby and all sorts of nice warm fuzzies with them. But yesterday we got something that felt a lot more like transition, which is major change at the top of the political staff in the government and at the top of the public service in the government. Uh, David Eby is putting his stamp on the government, and it's going to be different from John Horgan's government. Okay, how? Well, the chief of staff to the premier, which is the top political job in the government, it's the political strategist, it's the head of the political staff, it's the guy who has to do some of the rough stuff for the premier with cabinet ministers and political staff, Jeff Jeff Meggs under John Horgan, the former Vancouver City Councilor, uh, longtime New Democrat, he's out. The new guy is Matt Smith. Uh, Matt Smith is also a longtime New Democrat. He uh, delivered the goods for David Eby in the leadership race. He managed Eby's leadership campaign, and as we know, the leadership campaign for. Uh, for David Eby made three major submissions to the NDP chief executive officer, chief election officer, Elizabeth Cull, and those submissions helped doom Angelia Paterai's bid for the leadership. So that's Smith, and he's the new chief of staff to the premier. Big switch. Not surprising, Simi, to me that a new premier, even in the same party, would bring in a new chief political staffer. It's a job you work very, very closely right, with the yeah. person. So that's big. The, other, the change that is a little surprising is we've got a new head of the public service, and the change is significant because of who it is. So Shannon Salter, a, new, a lawyer, newcomer to the public service in B.C. She only joined uh, the government as Deputy Attorney General to David Eby back in January. So she's only been there less than a year. She is the new head of the public service, out career public servant Laurie Wanamaker. And Eby, Eby sent a letter yesterday, an email to all the entire public service saying, we appreciate your work, I appreciate your work, and I respect you. But he also said that he's been consulting British Columbians, and British Columbians aren't happy, Simi, with the pace uh, of which the government is dealing with the big issues, the big issue, housing affordability and accessibility, health care waiting lists, and public safety. And I think there's a pretty strong message there that this is a shakeup. We're getting a new head of the public service because David Eby doesn't think things are moving quickly enough. Hmm. Okay, so what do we know about the new head of the public service? Uh, Sharon Salter, one of the most uh, respected uh, uh, lawyers in the province, Uh, you know, a Class A rating from anybody who's ever dealt with her. Uh, But I think the really important thing is when David Eby decided to take on uh, the trial lawyers and the legal establishment in the province, to make over ICBC and to bring in what is amounts to no fault. It's a it's a mild form of no fault auto insurance, but 
Uh, and he did it, and he made over ICBC, and he lowered, as we all know, ICBC rates, so it was successful, and he did it in the face of a lot of opposition, including from the trial lawyers. Well, someone who helped in that process was Sharon, Shannon Salter. She was the head of the Civil Resolution Tribunal, which is the way where you end up going now if uh, you have a dispute with ICBC. So uh, David Eby is happy with her. Um, I'd have to point out as well that she's been Deputy Attorney General through a period when the problem of random street attacks on people mm-hmm. and the release of repeated release of repeat offenders has been going on too. So there's stuff to criticize there, but clearly this is somebody David Eby has confidence in and somebody, as I say, he's put in charge of the public service. Uh, The public service, you know, is an entrenched organization. There's a lot of people there who've served both liberal and NDP governments. They're professionals, but the public service does not move quickly on things. So this is going to be interesting to see how this plays out. It really is. Now, he's also got some advisors, right? Uh, transition advisors. And this is also very interesting. Yeah. So his, uh, he's got two transition advisors. One is a First Nations leader. And I think that signals just how much in government now you really have to consult First Nations and involve them in decisions. So that's what that's all about. The, uh, the politically significant appointment there is Carol James. So James... Oh, I think fair to say one of the most beloved New Democrats in the province. Uh, She was the finance minister in the first term, uh, left for health reasons, has been a dollar a year advisor to John Horgan since then, and now is going to be on the transition team. James spoke to reporters yesterday, and she said, now don't expect radical decisions between in the transition between uh, David Eby, uh, between John Horgan and David Eby. She said the priorities are still going to be the same. I accept that. I think the way you square what James said with what Eby himself said in his letter to public servants is the NDP is still bound by its election platform, by the priorities that EB has laid out, which are similar to Horgan's priorities, but he wants to see things moving more quickly. That you, I think you'll see it much more in execution than in a major change of direction on housing, on health care, on public safety. But the delivery side of it E.B. is well aware that he has to deliver change on those fronts, and he has to get going on it quickly. If he doesn't get active and get moving, uh, public is already incredibly impatient Mm -hmm. with the government on those files, Simi. It's interesting because we, we know that he does have the ability to get impatient and do things more quickly, right? We saw that with ICBC. Uh, We saw it with ICBC, and the other one I point to is BC Housing. So uh, Evie was housing minister. There were growing problems with BC Housing in terms of execution, in terms of financial controls, in terms of other things that, you know, Evie's own agenda on housing, wanting to get stuff built. And E.B. stepped in on a Friday afternoon uh, and fired the entire board of BC Housing ousted them, brought in a new board, out went 
political activists, a lot of well-meaning directors and so forth. In came uh, experienced administrators and an accountant to get charge of that. And you remember he announced it at 7 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. And when asked why, he said, well, he didn't want to embarrass the old board. He didn't want to, you know, uh, put them too much uh, under the spotlight. So he tried to do it quietly on a Friday afternoon. Well, of course, when government tries to do something quietly on a Friday evening, it gets more attention than if they announced it at high noon on a Monday. (laughs) I don't know why they can't learn that. I don't know why they can't learn that. Um, So talking about the housing situation then, in terms of impatience and getting there, are there any other examples that we are seeing across the country? Well, I was quite struck with the throne speech and the legislation they announced in Ontario yesterday. So Ontario has a similar problem to British Columbia, which is which is an enormous need for more housing, especially for the middle class families, and a difficulty getting the projects approved. They stayed clogged in the pipeline. Uh, public hearings, councils that tweak them, uh, developers that get fed up and walk away. And the Ford government, Premier Doug Ford, said yesterday, uh, and he's been hinting at this for a while, he announced a 15-point housing plan. The, the item on the list that resembles what we're talking about here in British Columbia, Simi, is about two dozen Ontario municipalities in the front lines of the problem are going to be asked to sign pledges with the provincial government to deliver on housing targets. So that's step one. I notice, at least from what I've seen in the first day coverage, Simi, the Ford government hasn't said what's going to happen to municipalities that don't live up to the targets. But, you know, here in B.C., there's talk of legislation that would allow the provincial government to overrule local government where it's blocking needed housing. I don't know if that's the way the Ford government would go, but they're clearly on the same road as the NDP here in B.C. And, of course, David Eby has talked about legislative override, but we haven't seen the legislation from him either. Hmm. Okay, so is that something that maybe they'll just be watching for a little while? I think we'll be watching. Uh, the One of the question marks still, Simi, about the transition is uh, mo- the Horgan government has tabled a bunch of legislation in the House uh, since the House sat at the beginning of October. Most of that legislation is passed. There is still time left in the session. The House doesn't adjourn till the end of November, but... Are they holding off uh, to allow E.B., who's expected to become premier mid-month, to allow him to bring in some legislation? Or are they just going to adjourn the House at the end of next week and leave um, leave it to E.B. to bring in legislation in the new year? I don't know yet. The Liberals think that the, the E.B. government will just avoid the rest of the session, not Hmm. bother with it, act in the new year. The New Democrats are saying, no, no, there's still stuff to be done. So we'll see you next week. We will see, and we'll be talking to you about it. Thanks, Vaughn. Bye-bye, Simi.